It's time for us to meet our makers on Red Pages Podcast. It is the 29th of August, 2016. This is Red Pages Podcast episode number 80. I'm Justin. I'm Gord. And we have with us this week a special guest. Uh, special guest, who are you? I'm Rand. You're Rand. <laughs> Rand, how, how might our listeners be familiar with you? Uh, you know, I think they probably aren't familiar with me for, like, kids' games I did a long time ago, but maybe... Mist, uh, you know, a few people know about that. <laughs> I was involved with that a little bit back in the day, and uh, and more recently, Abduction. Cool. I've played both of those games. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, we're, we'll, we have a lot of uh, questions for you about those a little a little later into the show, but first we should quickly move through our haps in game sections uh, that we discussed. Um, for those for those who are new to the cast, whether listeners or Rand, I know that we've talked about it, but we can refresh you. We we're gonna pick something that we've done or seen this week, read a book we've read, movie that sort of thing, and uh, tell tell our listeners about it and why it's worthwhile. So, uh, Gord, why don't you why don't you kick us off? What's the one thing that you want to talk about this week? Been learning to drive manual. Also, I've been oh, learning man. to drive. Oh man, <laughs> that's not a piece of popular culture, but it's probably important. <laughs> Yeah. Why is I mean, driving important, Gord? <laughs> Gets you places. Yeah. Cool. Is that is that what's consumed most of your week? Um, well, the past few days will belong to uh, the next segment. Oh, sure. Mm. Um, Justin, cool. what have you been doing? So I uh, have been listening to... you. Usually I have a book that I've read, but I have been foregoing uh, an audiobook. Uh, partially because my summer work is concluded. I'm back to the, the more traditional work that I do. But I've been listening to uh, The Great Courses, which is, I guess, like a popular, famous lessons on tape thing. History of Broadway in America. And that is absolutely fascinating. You know, you, you recognize a lot of names from these things, but you really, unless you're a scholar of this sort of thing, have no idea how ingrained into every aspect of popular culture so much of early Broadway and music making and sort of the, the concept of the musical is. And it's, it's just a constant delight. Like, oh, I recognize this thing. And then you learn all about where it came from. And I, I, I highly recommend this course to anybody who has interest in music uh, in America. I don't know. I'm thinking this is probably a thing that is less impactful for people who don't live in America, so I'm sorry to our foreign listeners. You'll probably That's me. get less... Well, you know, Canada's <laughs> pop culture is so close to America's. Yeah, Canada's, Canada's probably in the clear for this, but if you're not familiar with sort of like the traditional Great American Songbook, uh, you'll get way less out of this, but it is it is just fascinating, and I really enjoy it. Rand, what about you? Well, first of all, how diverse is that? I mean, Gord is learning to drive with a clutch, and you're talking about, you know, great American musicals and stuff. It's like, wow, this is eclectic. This is going to be awesome. We, we I like try it. to be diverse in our, in our interests. This is not just a That's, video games podcast. No, no, no. This has got broad appeal. I'm telling you that right now. Um, we, should, uh, we should write a driving musical. <laughs> uh, uh, I think it's from so, Disney Pixar. It's called Cars. <laughs> oh man uh this week i this week was a good week this week was a pretty good week i don't know that i got involved in a lot of anything although i gotta say this i shipped a game last week and for the first time in a long time i was able to mow my lawn on a weekend so that's like the excitement i had was wow yeah. i'm gonna go make bales of hay out of my lawn here because I can for a change. You're also um, allowed to go way back further than a week because you weren't here last week. 
<laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Well, you know, I think spare. Well, oh man, I could go on and on about this. The last thing that I'm right now, this is the most fun thing I'm doing when I have any spare time. My wife and I finally are doing the Game of Thrones thing, oh. and. Uh, we hadn't, and we'd put it off, and we hadn't watched it, and we didn't, you know, our, like, people are saying, oh, you should see it, you should see it, and I kind of know why now, like, my wife has addictive tendencies, and I, you know, so we have to go, like, no, just one episode, we've got, <laughs> we can't watch another one, it's too dark, and, um, but, man, whoever writes those episodes, like, stuff happens happens every single episode wow anyway yeah there you go my uh and you hadn't read my, the books at all no hadn't read the books didn't know what to expect all right didn't have any spoilers or anything so you know we're i think just at the end of like season five or something like that um and i can't wait you know later tonight we'll probably watch an episode cool. yeah right. that's my that's my highbrow um popular entertainment okay. i've watched that show too I can, okay. I can understand. All right. Well, I guess we can go to the game segment. Where we talk about a game that we've played. You, t- I guess you, again, can go back more than a week. I'm guessing that you uh, haven't played any new games while trying to ship one in, in the past week. But maybe you'll surprise us. Uh, do you want uh, to start off because we'll you were just continuing what you were saying? Yeah. You know, I'll definitely surprise you what my... What my diversion is when I need to check my brain okay. is Angry Birds. I play freaking Angry Birds. That yes, <laughs> it's true. I hate to disappoint people, but it's more like I, you know, usually I don't want to think a lot, and there I just, you know, kind of like Angry Birds, and I'm pretty, pretty good. I have to say. So uh, yeah. Are you are you a classic That's... Angry Birds player? Just the original? Or are you into all of the numerous sequels and spinoffs? Well, I have all the sequels and spinoffs. Normally, those are for when I'm offline. But when I'm online, I just do Angry Birds Friends, except I don't really have any friends that I play with because I don't really care about the friends part. And I just care about they give me new content every few days and I can kill more pigs or whatever. I, you know, it's Uh, just kind of artillery anyway. Sure. Mm-hmm. I like how you say that you don't like to think a lot. And, of course, this is reflected in the, the games that you make, right? <laughs> uh, no, no he likes to make other people think a lot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Gord, what have, you, what have you been playing? I've been playing Abduction. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll, we'll get to that I'm next sure we'll sentence. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't remember any of the other games that I've played. Hmm. Just, just this one. You have been playing Good a lot answer. of Abduction. I was like, okay, I'm going to put in like an hour and a half, two hours a day between <laughs> when it launches and when we do this interview. I'm not done, but like I put a lot of time into it. You're like... Four, I beat it. Oh, you beat it? I beat it. Oh, okay. So you're like four times the amount of time to that I've put into it, which uh, I, I think is crazy, but good for you. You did mm, it. I got, uh, I got two endings. Mm. One of them was uh, a, a fun, predictable ending. That uh, the game definitely broadcasts to you, <laughs> but I had I had to do it. Mm. And uh, the other one, the other one was a good ending, but I don't know if it's. I think I'm gonna look for another ending still. Yeah, I think that this game has 72 different endings. So <laughs> that would be a different case. 72, but in base four. <laughs> uh. So I guess, I guess I'll talk about the game that I've been playing a lot of, other than Abduction. Uh, I've been playing a lot of a game called Regency Solitaire. Regency Solitaire is a, a game that is themed like a Jane, Jane Austen novel. It's about a young woman, like her family is trying to stave off ruin so she can marry this handsome young rich man and doesn't have to marry the the ugly rich guy. I don't know. It's 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 really, really like sort of trite in its plot but that's the set dressing for playing a lot of solitaire um Mm. the twist is so it's not normal like klondike solitaire the way it works is you have a deck of cards of i don't know it's like 20 25 cards and a bunch of cards laid out and you you deal one card at a time so if you have a four on the top of your deck you can pair it with either a three or a five and then you take that three or five and you pair it with a two or a 
four or a four or six, whatever. And you see how long you can go get chains before uh, how before, before you have, you to, have to marry the uh, the ugly rich guy. Yeah, before you turn over the next card to your deck, and the goal is to clear the entire board. You run out of, before your deck runs out, and uh, you accumulate money from doing these chains, which you then can invest in uh, furniture for your Regency era house paintings, statuary, pretty dresses, that sort of thing, that all of them have unique gameplay effects that tie back into the Solitaire game. So it's got a cool sort of like RPG progression to it, and the music is really good. So if you're if you're into like Jane Austen novels, maybe this is the Solitaire for you. Stop, stop playing Windows Solitaire and start playing Regency Solitaire. <laughs> oh, when does uh, Regency Minesweeper come out? Oh man, don't even, don't even <laughs> tempt me. <laughs> We're doing a Regency abduction version. Ooh, man! I I know I made a joke in the in the questions about Uru planes of abduction, but I hope that uh, Regency abduction is what that is. I uh, <laughs> I really hope that uh, my dress gets a nice big poofy dress. My sorry, my shadow gets a nice big poofy dress. Oh man! That's that's the only change we make <laughs> is the regular. <laughs> All right, I guess we should get to the get to the interview then. We should we should start asking random questions. We can get as many of these in as in the the limited time that we have. So, why don't we why don't we dive right in with our listener questions? Alex K. Wolf asks, "What is up with that Rush Limbaugh understands Easter egg and myth?" Nice Seinfeld impression. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that was uh, man, that was a long time ago. Um, that was a little fun statement we decided we could put in and make a. We tried to make a political statement without actually being political. It was like a challenge because we figured we could make a statement that if you liked Rush Limbaugh, you would go, "Wow, that's cool. See, those guys like Rush Limbaugh." And if you didn't like Rush Limbaugh, you'd realize the guy who said it ah. was mm. like a crazy man. So you could take oh, either side. Spoilers for Mist. <laughs> spoilers yeah, for right. Rush Limbaugh's career. Who knew, huh? <laughs> uh, well, I guess that clears that up. That's been a mystery that people have been wondering about for a long time. <laughs> oh, yeah. People lose sleep over that one, I'm sure. Uh, Dangerous Dave asks... Uh, as you surely know, developing a game for VR comes with many unique design challenges. While Abduction seems like a great fit for VR, were there any unexpected difficulties that arose while developing the game's Oculus Rift support? For example, did you find that some types of puzzles were much more effective and intuitive than others compared to just playing the game on a normal 2D display? Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, there's more than that. That is a legitimate we... answer. <laughs> <laughs> Next. No, it was... Uh... It is hard design. It's especially hard designing for both. I mean, you have to take everything into account, which is hard. I mean, this game was hard to design anyway, but at least we knew when we started that we needed to do it for both flat screens and for VR. So as long as you know the box you're designing within, it, it kind of helps at least give you, a, some, had, you know, some amount of possible success as you move forward. So anyway, with that said... We had to put a few kind of limitations to, uh, to take to so that we uh, it's not directly puzzle related, but a few limitations that otherwise might not have been there. Like, oh, for example, uh, up and down movement. Vertical movement is not a good thing for VR, so we just designed the game with just stairs and ramps, no ladders, and no falling off cliffs because we didn't want people to puke. In VR, I keep hitting the space um, bar to try and jump, and it doesn't yep, work. Same here. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. The jump is gone. Another reason was, um, I mean, jump is fun, but if as long as you design the game without it, you don't, you know, yeah, you there need are all sorts it. Of crazy so, problems getting stuck in yeah, the environment, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so we did our best. I mean, we, you know, there's a couple of areas I get to. It's like, come on, this short little. Short little thing, I should be able to fall off of this. Come on. And we should have put a little better boundary around a few things in a few places. But overall, we, we kind of handled that. Puzzle-wise is interesting because 
Um, the biggest deal with puzzles that changes those, I think, is like your interface with those. And we were already dealing with a mouse interface and a controller, like a gamepad interface, and even um, the Oculus Remote interface and keyboard interface. So we're kind of having to universally make all the interface items work. And so we just knew that ahead of time. Now, with that said, at some point when we get to go to, you know, with touch controls, um, a lot of those will feel a lot more intuitive, I think. You know, those there's big giant handles in there that that control certain things. And if you, you could just reach up to those with a touch controller and grab and throw, that would be pretty sweet. And we're all looking forward to that. Right. Tealwin writes, Mist is so loved because of the way that it made you feel that you were actually there, using in most part or still images. Given how far our technology has moved on since Mist, how did you approach the challenge of recapturing this feeling in abduction using the Unreal Game Engine? It was surprisingly similar, I think. You know, as, as much as technology has moved on, it still was about trying to build, <laughs> in our minds, a real place in 3D space. And even though in Mist, it, it was just those still images that, you know, you kind of go from one to the other. In, it, we had the models of that 3D space that we could move around in, albeit slow on our crappy computers back then. But, um, yeah, so it was still was a, was a real place for us. So abduction was almost like very natural. It's just that when people got to play it, they got the advantage of seeing that real 3D space as well. It wasn't just reserved for us. So, yeah, it was surprisingly the same. Now, with that said, when you do stuff in real-time 3D, you got to make sure you're covering every angle <laughs> because people go in places, uh, they go every place. So, you you know, you kind of can't leave things blank behind walls and can't have, uh, can't hide things um, and, you know, you got to kind of make sure it's all even more consistent and more realistic. So you spend a little more time, obviously, doing that. But it, it, I'm, in my mind, it's much more satisfying in real-time 3D. I guess that's why Mist Masterpiece Edition exists, right? Yeah, we well, I mean... Or the, the depending real, on real who, Mist, depending right? on, Yeah, real Mist. Yeah. Depending on who you talk to, some people like the pristine, original Mist feeling, and that's cool. You can still do that. Even on your freaking iPhone, which is amazing. The iPhone is the best version of Mist currently available, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Or you can play even real Mist on your phone, which is, I mean, I just want these places to seem real, and so we redid a version in, with real-time 3D, um, kind of to move it forward, not to, not to completely replace the first one, but just as a take a step, you know? Sure. Yeah. Uh, level of abstraction writes a uh, question, how went the recruiting process? Was it hard to get good people that are fluent in Unreal Engine, and how many of the staff belong to the original Mistriven staff? We've got a, a quite a mix of people. Um, I mean, we only have like 20 people, um, but uh, probably six of those were people who were either past employees or current employees, and they were involved in the Kickstarter campaign as well, kind of helping us ramp that up and get going. We all kind of were excited about the prospects of doing this. So, and, then, and then we needed to get some additional people for, um, you know, kind of shore things up. And oddly enough, we have great fans from like Mist, and people are inspired and they do their own work and they send us stuff. And some of the you know, most like the three of the artists we hired had already done work that was 3D work that, that fan related that they had sent us as kind of, you know, hey, here's some of my work. Um, and it got our attention. Um, so some of them were, you know, had more vested in Unreal than others, but um, they all had a, obviously art experience, but um, they, we all kind of learned as we went beyond that as well. Um, and they did a phenomenal job. Look, there's no way the team of people we have should have been able to do this thing. It's crazy how much we pulled off. Um, anyway, I'm really proud of, of everybody's hard work, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess we got, a, we got a listener mail with that Lego Mist Island 
that we, we showed you, and I think you said you liked that, along with the, so it was on the subject of the, the fan stuff that you get sent uh, from, of course, from I mean, Allison, who sent that in. So thank you, Allison. Yeah, a, a Lego Mist Island is, uh, well, what's the word I want to use? Uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, our, last, our last thing that we got that wasn't really listener mail, but I wanted to pass along was our, our friend uh, Riff who is a game developer on a different game for a different company, said that he didn't know what he would ever say to you if he had the chance, but that <laughs> when he was growing up, his important dudes list was Douglas Adams, Rand Miller, Gary Gygax, and Penn and & Teller in that order. So, Holy crap. Wait, I'm in front of Penn & Teller? I'm <laughs> Gary Gygax. You're behind Douglas Adams, How? though. No, no. Oh my gosh, no. I met Douglas Adams. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Was, it was, was he a missed fan? Like, he was so nice. Um, well, he knew of it. Mm. He, was, he was probably just being gracious, but anyway, yeah, nice guy. But anyway, yeah, I'm on. What a list. Holy cow. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah, I just figured I should <laughs> pass that along. Um, all right, you want to, I guess now we can get into our questions uh gord why don't you why don't you kick us off science games seem to have very specific aesthetic concerns and chief among these is a sense of place and space even if the setting is fantastical everything feels real in its placement and function machines work logically environmental objects are placed sensibly for actual use cases and so forth could you talk a bit about how you think about space and place when designing new environments and how you think about these unities yeah, this is why this thing is so hard that we do. I, I think this is why there's not more games like this. And there's a few, and the, there's more kind of an indie upsurge and some really cool, um, interesting takes on designing new spaces with puzzles and storylines and all that. But it's really, really hard. If you look at it this way, and, and I've said this before, but it's like we we have this... We build these environments, and the environments have to support the storyline, and the and the storyline has to support the puzzles, and the puzzles have to store, uh, support the environment, and the environment. I mean, I mean, this this tripod that everything is connected. Just the environments, the story, and the puzzles, and our goal is to try and get everything like balanced perfectly. So that's like crazy hard, because the the uh, art director will come and say oh man we have got this cool looking device and the story guy will say well that doesn't fit anywhere there's no way that could be there where did that come from what does that even mean what's the history behind that is there's no continuity to that and the puzzle guy will go well that's a good device but it doesn't work right i mean there's, there it's not logical it's not connected nobody's going to figure that out but it looks cool but that's not enough and then you know essentially those guys fight and i'm the pu i get to be the puzzle guy um so i always win no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> but really. Yeah, so, yeah, but really. <laughs> but not really. Um, so the best things we get are when we get that tension between all three of those and everybody comes to some kind of balance. And we did that with a few, you know, there's some good puzzles in abduction. And I'm the first to admit that there are definitely some things in there we we didn't pull it off with as well. Some weren't for you know it wasn't because we weren't trying hard it was because this was a pretty scrappy crew who was who was uh trying to fit, build a really good big game in a in, with a pretty small budget all things all things considered so but yeah great question we really try to keep all those things in balance and it is hard man i feel the pain of your story guy being the guy who has to do that a lot we're saying uh how can, i want to do this and i say uh, I guess maybe I could come up with some sort of narrative justification and it's going to be really bad, yeah. but it could possibly be this. A wizard did it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like the joke. It's alien magic or yeah, those are the ones that we have to pull out of our hat, which we try not to do. But yeah, the story guy's name is Richard and I'm sure he has nightmares because you know, it's like, oh, this puzzle's too good. We can't, we, this is just going to be too sweet. You have to think of a reason for this. And so, you know, then we got to go rewrite little bits of the story. And every now and then it falls into place like really nicely in surprising ways. And when it doesn't, we, 
we like beat it into submission. Gosh, that one, uh, that one, uh, round boulder that you were rotating with the motorcycle. Uh, that was really cool when I realized what that was doing there. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, those are that's what we live for. I love that. We live for those moments. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, this this is perfect. Oh, we live for those moments where you see something, you see it early on, you don't have a clue what it is. It's like you don't know why it's there or what it does, and then later on it hits you. And it's even best when it's not you're not even in the game. When it hits you outside your normal everyday life, driving to work or learning to drive a standard transmission car and <laughs> All of a sudden, you release the clutch too fast, and you think, "Wait, I know what that thing's for." And you have one of those aha experiences that oh, that's the best. Yeah, I was talking to somebody yeah. about uh, the shadow in this game because you could toggle its gender or turn it off. And they were saying how they it always disconcerts them when they see a shadow that's not attached to anything. <laughs> and they were like, man, why don't they just not have a shadow in these sorts of games? And I was like, because they're committed. They're committed to the reality of the place. Even if the things in it are fantastical, it has to feel real within its own self-contained universe. And things have shadows. Okay, there's a, there's a discussion, an inner discussion in, at the company on this. Cause the, because the first time you see the shadow, it's like really cool, like, whoa, cool. And, it, you know, flickering in the flame or something from the fire. And it, you kind of go, oh, that's cool. And then at some point in the game, you're standing on a cliff and, or your shadow's feet aren't attached. And anyway, I'll just suffice it to say that a lot of people at the company like shadows, but the turn shadow off option is there for me. Oh, no. Because <laughs> I kind of like have to turn it off at some point because it starts to distract me. That was my that was my answer because they were they were trying to figure out whether like the ability to turn the shadow off was a statement on gender binaries, and I was like, no, I'm I'm sure that it wasn't. I'm guessing that at some point during testing, somebody looked down and said, ah, it's not attached <laughs> to anything, and they were just like, all right, we'll just give you the option to turn it off. You are correct. Because uh, that's the reaction I had when I noticed that. I was like, ah, it's, it's Peter Pan get around. <laughs> uh, so I just, but I like seeing it when I can't see that it's not attached to anything. So I just never am allowed to look down. Yeah, good. I, that's good. That's one way to solve yeah. it. <laughs> uh, so it's you, you mentioned uh, a little earlier that there are sort of other games that are sort of doing the thing, but not that many. But it's it's almost I think impossible to talk about abduction without at least mentioning the witness they they've come out so close together um and they share so a lot in common uh witness you know not only with abduction but with a lot of your games in general and i remember when we were at e3 something that you told me was that you actually had john blow come out to the office and talked with him about sort of your his his design philosophies and your differing opinions on the way that these things should be made so would you would you be able to sort of talk about that discussion and sort of what your priorities are, what you feel are important in this sort of game versus his sort of, I guess, more, I'm going to guess that it's you, you guys focus more on story and he focuses more on mechanics, but maybe I'm wrong. No, no, I think, I think it's clear. It's, it's really cool to me that like this whole interactive, if I use that term, like really broadly mm -hmm. more, you know, not necessarily game, but just interactive multimedia or whatever this is can be s interpreted in so many ways that's like awesome and the cool thing about uh john is he loves puzzles and has this like incredible mind for working out these systems and for teaching people how they work and then getting them progressively harder which of course is the best way to do puzzles but his you know if you, it, the tripod thing i talked about earlier the three legs he loves to tilt that thing toward the puzzle end and uh, that's cool. There's, I mean, that's, there isn't anything wrong with that at all. There's tons of people who prefer that and mm -hmm. will definitely like the witness more than abduction because they want to live in that world too. It's just a matter of taste. So, you know, he leans that way and he does it so doggone well. And, you know, I think our challenge, only because we've got this legacy and we kind of like it that way, is to try and keep those things balanced. We like to try to balance all three of those things um just because that's our preference but yeah just different 
And it's amazing because you can see, if you look at all the kind of indie titles that are coming out, you can see all kinds of different pre preferences. Like if you look at Firewatch, I mean, that's very story oriented. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can, it feels like the tripod leans a little more toward story and probably environment because of the stylized kind of cool cinematic approach to things. It, Dear Esther is, I mean, they don't even have puzzles at all. That older title. It's just kind of a walking simulator where they're definitely like poetic stuff, but the environments, man, they leaned everything toward the environments, like just beautiful landscapes. Um, anyway, all of them seem to tilt one way or another, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I know that I have to draw a lot on, a lot on, I guess, the ground that you guys broke uh, in my design, certainly, because... I also am really into this sort of uh, sort of game and making that sort of thing. Awesome. Speaking of the uh, the narrative leg of the tripod, a slowly slowly unf unfolding narrative told almost entirely via environmental exploration and discovery of artifacts in the world has become a wildly popular method of storytelling in games within the past decade, as the success of Dark Souls can attest. You've been doing this for decades at this point. Why do you think this approach has been gaining traction? And what are your thoughts about using a digital medium to tell stories? Boy, oh boy, this is a this is a really cool one. I I think the power of using this kind of interactive uh, environment to tell stories is that you don't feel like it's somebody else's story. Um, if you can build a richness into the environment and a history into the environment, and then you get thrown in there, you feel like you're coming into something and it does become your story and in turn you kind of become the storyteller so you know you go see a movie and you feel like i mean by the way i love movies i love books i mean i and and tv obviously game of thrones kind of thing but you do you you it, it affects you in a different way you're definitely watching someone else's story they're the storyteller they're they are emotionally affecting you with this incredible linear uh narrative that they're you know feeding to you the cool thing about interactive digitally interactive things is guess what at the end of the day when i played the game i played if i go to the office and somebody hasn't played this game i can like start describing it except i start describing it like it's my story it's like i'm the guy who was on the hunt and came back to the fire and has the story to tell which is really kind of powerful i mean in a very cool way. You get to be the storyteller, not just have the story told. Yeah, my, my hypothesis, I was trying to get, puzzle out how you would answer these as I was writing a bunch of them. I was thinking, hmm, I bet that it has to do with player empowerment because being yeah. handed something is not nearly as fulfilling for the player as them piecing it together themselves. And that's sort of what games are about so much of the time is making the player feel empowered. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So, so a lot of games make you feel empowered just by achievement. I mean, we, we're all used to those games. They they do well. They're pretty cool, you know. Uh, First-person shooter, I mean, that's just, you know, I get empowered. The story is kind of my achievement and who I killed. It's kind of fun when you can vary that a little and do it in a different way. It's, a, it, you know, put a, a little bit different take on it and build some more in that feels like you got there in the middle of something and you're really intrigued by what went on anyway yeah that's a good way to put it empowerment so i i, I have a bit of a follow-up to what you just said where you you said sort of the player becomes the, it's their story do you think of when you think of who the author of a game story is do you think of games not as i guess a thing that you wrote or whoever designed the game wrote but as sort of a collaborative authorship between the player and the designer or do you think that it's still mostly the designer because they had to write all those things in the first place or some other, <laughs> some other thing? Yeah, you know, I, I think if I, if I'm being honest, okay, I, and this is a, it's a great question. If I'm being honest, it's a little bit of a trick if we do our job right, because we're, we want to give the illusion that, you have chosen you have chosen to do these things and you have decided to do this and you have gone a direction and actually probably the reality is you are you have gone a direction that no one else has because there's so many options that 
you know, you've walked this probably differently than every other player. But we want to make it feel like it really is free will and you are in control. But we can't really do that quite as much as um, and and keep it too interesting. It's almost like um, it's like going to Disneyland and saying, "Oh my gosh, you're going to going to go on a trip to Mars, and it's going to feel like it." But we can't really take you on a trip to Mars because you would die. So we'll just you know simulate it and try to blur those lines a bit and give you a nice illusion of it. Um, it it doesn't make it any less impressive or cool or or it, but if we do our job well, it really does make a player kind of feel like they have ownership. You mentioned uh, sort of you love movies, you love books, uh, and books have a really heavy role in your games. So like Myst, in a lot of ways, is a game about libraries and the power of reading and the power of writing. I mean, maybe more than it's about any of the characters that appear directly. Uh, so do you do you find some irony in the fact that you, know, you you don't make books, you make games, and sort of games and digital media are moving into a space that sort of books have traditionally occupied and maybe eclipsing a bit of that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a bit, it's interesting, although I think there's room for, it's kind of like when you have another kid, it doesn't really take away from the love of the other kids. So, like, I am into, I, I mean, I mean, let's face it, I'm too old for this industry anyway. I'm old. I still love it. I mean, I still love it. But it doesn't mean that I stopped watching TV or going to movies or even reading books. I mean, I am, I just, they all have such cool options, strengths, and weaknesses that, you know, you, it's hard to give up any of them. I just need more time. Please, somebody give me more time. <laughs> Speaking of uh, missed books, uh, I found the the missed book in abduction. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think uh, I think one of the mods I'm going to request that somebody make. In fact, this is that request. If you're listening to this and you can make mods, um, have the entire game of Mist run inside abduction, and have this book open up and uh, and you can just start playing Mist through <laughs> through abduction. <laughs> That's pretty pretty fun. That that mist book that's in there, by the way, is actually modeled after a mist book that um, one of our fans in Australia made. That was a real electronic version oh, of a mist book. I yeah. saw that. I saw that in like Kotaku or something. Yeah, yeah. This guy made it. It's Riem R I U M is his kind of nickname, and I, it's just it's just crazy. I mean, he he like custom had all this stuff custom designed. It was the original. But he found the original the book we used for the original Miss book at, at a at a you know at a used bookstore, and he found another copy of it, and he hollowed it out, put this all this stuff in there. It's got a an a screen, a little screen the same size as the linking panel in the Miss book, and it had like all the Miss games and all the Miss books like built into it. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't realize that part. Yeah, isn't that crazy? So we were like. Well, if we're going to put a Miss book in, let's just let's just use this one for the model. <laughs> Excellent. Your games have a recurring motif of betrayal and mistrust. The brothers in Mist, Gen and Atrus. Even Abduction's marketing warns players to be careful who they trust. What is it? What is it about these themes that you find compelling, and why do you return to it again and again? Because I don't trust anybody. <laughs> I trust no one. <laughs> The weird thing is, is I'm, I actually like, I like trust people to a fault. I'm like so trusting of everything. I, I think it just builds, builds intrigue. You know, if it, it's like one of those great tension moments in stories when you're like, I don't know what to do. I mean, if you've got to make a decision and somebody's telling you something, the only cool thing is when you just don't know whether to trust them or not. Like, what's going on here? Is this really the right thing and it was fun even in mist with the two brothers telling you oh yeah no help me no help me help me no help me and it was fun trying to build that balance in where at first you're like well no that guy's crazy i'm not trusting him this guy seems sane and then you realize well no that guy seems kind of power hungry and weird in a different dangerous way maybe the crazy guy is the right one no that can't be and you know you start to question yourself and trust even your own ability to make decisions which is a great 
place to get people when they have to make a decision. But Akinar turned out to Bring be a me. good guy in the end, right? Bring What's me that? the Red Pages podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I, I don't know if you saw on Twitter if that was you that retweeted or, or if that was one of your marketing people, but uh, for for this podcast, it's like uh, Adam touching the hand of the creator on the Sistine Chapel <laughs> because of our name. It's <laughs> uh, perfect. We, we never talk about Mist on this podcast, but that is definitely... Uh, part of the genesis of the name so and i realized when awesome. when i met you at e3 i hadn't i didn't tell you the name of the show so i was like ah, i guess i'll just find out <laughs> yeah what I, what I said was uh, i guess akinar did turn out to be the the good guy in the end uh if i recall correctly in like oh, the last you may have, of the missed you games may have... oh, oh oh i see after you've gone through everything there was some twists in there yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to give too. Yeah, possibly. Cirrus, oh yeah, his his ending messed me up when I was a kid. I was like, <laughs> uh, I have to stop playing this game now. <laughs> I think, I think I trust. Oh, Justin, you might want to turn your ears off and uh, edit this out of the podcast. Uh, man, see, I didn't trust CW because the marketing said, "Be careful who you trust," and I was like, "Oh, it's Robin Miller. I don't. I shouldn't <laughs> trust him." <laughs> Uh, uh, there's a there's a little there's a little guy in a window telling me to do things. It's like you should have deja vu all over again. I think, mm. yeah, definitely. At least but he's I think... the guy that I can open that door and punch if something goes wrong. <laughs> How do you punch a book? Like, what do you do? I think I was a little bit anticipating that and uh, overcompensating, but yeah, I think I think in the end, he, well, again, Justin. Turn your ears off. Uh, I think in the end he's trustworthy. Just the end goal, yeah, is not what he expected. Yeah. And then I think Joseph is not trustworthy, but that's not the real Joseph. So I think all of the people, basically, I mean, I just never trusted you know, him just... because he had a Russian name. <laughs> they <laughs> all do some savvy. some horrible things, but I think at heart they're trustworthy. Oh, maybe that's maybe that's an interesting question that I should have, should have thought about and uh, written in advance about how in this game the uh, the untrustworthiness is uh, projected onto the uh, the uh, the alien characters. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. There's some interesting little things we played with preconceptions and stuff. It's always fun. <laughs> so now that now that abduction is out, do you do you guys have any plans to make Missed and the, the sequels work on a modern operating system because there are a lot of people who I guess haven't ever really gotten a chance to play them because they just don't work. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean I think the most obvious thing, and this is I mean people ask us this all the time, is oh my gosh I want to I want to go to Mist Island like in VR. I want to just you know walk around the island, a really beautiful version of that, and play it in VR. And that that seems like a no brainer. At some point we'll do that. That's not going to be that's not something we have to think a lot about, but we also have to think about where we want to go with other projects as well, because we have some pretty cool ideas that, you know, hopefully the, uh, like, we can get to in the future too. Like Uru, Planets of Abduction. You <laughs> <laughs> are you. So do you pronounce that Uru, or is it just you are you? No, I call it Uru. Okay, yeah. I know that it's supposed to be both, but yeah. Yeah, it was a nice little play on words, and uh, and yeah, it was kind of cool. I I loved Uru and the whole Mist Online thing too. By the way, I mean, I just had to put the plug in, even though it's not even well. The servers are going, but anyway, yeah, that was a that was quite an undertaking, and I'm glad we did it, even if it you know had its issues with publishers. So mm. publishers suck. Not lie. <laughs> uh, I didn't say that. Said I know. That. I, I see. <laughs> just, I, can, uh, I can say it. You know who you are. <laughs> just go with Kickstarter always. Uh, um, what's the story with the stranger? Is all that super early stuff about him or her being a photographer that found the missed book in the San Francisco Public Library non-canon at this point? <laughs> um. So the stranger is an interesting has kind of taken on a life of its own. Because I have to tell you, when we did Mist, there was no 
stranger. This was meant to, and it's a, it's good that you bring this up after Uru because Mist was always meant to be you. We wanted it to feel like you had found this book and ended up in this weird place. You weren't role playing someone else, or you weren't the stranger. And and I think over the years, people have kind of projected that. Oh well, it really was somebody, and I get to be that. And I think in the official canon, because all of this did really happen, uh, if you look it up, uh, there really is a an ancient civilization that lives uh, beneath the earth in a giant cavern. Um, it's all there. I promise, it's all documented. <laughs> then at some point, you know, there could have been somebody who is now referred to as the stranger who had this experience and did all this stuff we just it kind of took a life of its own and became its own thing yeah so now we embrace it yeah okay the stranger yeah but it is much more of yeah general thing to us i love the feeling i love making games where you feel like you're playing yourself and not a, you're not playing a role i remember because i had the i guess it was a guide to mist when i was really little and way before i was able to solve mist because i was too young to understand how anything worked. I would just read that like a book because it was written entirely in universe being told by the stranger character. Like I did this and then I walked here and I thought about this and considered these things and you could just read it like a storybook. Um, Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Uh it was like, oh, I found this book in the library in San Francisco and I made sure to bring bring my camera to document it, which is why the book is full of screenshots uh, right. But then I, went, I remember years later, I went online and I was like, ah, oh, this this Mist Wiki says that the stranger is from like Texas in 1850. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. That's not what it said in that book. I don't know what to believe. Everything I thought knew was a lie. Oh, oh Justin, you haven't uh, you haven't seen this part yet. But at the end of Abduction, uh, you open a door and there's the Mist Landing book. Oh, okay. See that? You know, I would be okay with that. <laughs> I just presumed that abduction was in the same universe as Mist. That just seemed reasonable to me. Uh, speaking well, of, we put the Mist book in, yeah. so it must be. Speaking of them being in the same universe, uh, CW and Cirrus look really similar. <laughs> Uh, is there an unknown family relation between the two? Isn't, the, isn't that bizarre? The fact that they look so much alike? Yeah. It's just a... It's really weird. I know. It's a. It's kind of just crazy. You th- it's almost like you know they're they're distant relatives or something. Yeah. How many how many uh, Denis are there in abduction? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> or no, it's, it's Dunny. We're only talking about Mist, so it's got to be Dunny. That's right. Yeah, we had actually. It's funny because having Robin, my brother Robin do the DW character was a blast. That was awesome. Um, I mean, it, because I get, I mean, mainly it was awesome because I hate acting. I don't want to act. I can't, it's I'm just like nerve wracking. I'm an introvert and you have to be like super uninhibited to act. And I, I it just doesn't come natural. So it's great being a director. I get to be the director and I really like doing that part because you get to just boss people around and go, no, that's not good enough. Let's do it again and take 17. Um, anyway, yeah, so it was fun working with him. He did a great job. Um, and, yeah, it was more fun not having to have that stress of me having to worry about playing a role. So we're, we're coming up to the end of our time. Uh, we we do have one question that we ask all of our guests before before we let them go. My question is, what is your favorite cheese? Oh, this is a tough one. This is a really tough one. I think and this is yeah. I'm I'm gonna go with something fairly easy. It's gonna be uh, provolone or provolone, depending on you know where how you want to say it. Okay. I like dry, a little saltiness. It's a good choice. I use a lot of that. Real sharp in my opinion. In fact, I kind of get some right now. Mm. Okay, that was delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I could eat slices anytime, but yeah. I guess we should probably uh, wrap up our our show. You you have somewhere to get in uh, just a couple of minutes, so... 
I want to say thank you, uh, thank you so much for coming on and, and answering our listeners' questions and our questions and talking talking with us. Um, if hey, this was awesome, you guys. Thanks for the great questions and uh, yeah, uh, appreciate the uh, the forethought and uh, interesting in- insights and the you know the stuff we've done you guys are it's if, pretty cool it was fun talking about it if people were Thanks. looking to find you and your stuff online do you have a website that, or a, a twitter of some sort that they should uh start at yeah at this point the, the easiest thing would be to probably go to abduction.com with an o and uh you can find everything from there but it's probably the the easiest thing to mention at this point cool. gord if people wanted to find us uh how would they do that oh i'd forgotten until now uh redpag.es yep. <laughs> is our uh, is our new domain. Yep. Or if you don't know what that and means, the... you can still use redpagespodcast.com. That still works. Yeah. Yeah. And you could uh, you can send us an email. Contact at redpagespodcast.com. Uh, you can back us on Patreon, which uh, yes, thank you so much you into our Slack. Thank you so much for to all of our Patreon backers for supporting us. And allowing us to do this uh, with your don- monthly donations, um, we we greatly appreciate you, and we have a great time talking with you in Slack. Uh, and if you don't know what that is, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/RedPagesPodcast. Uh, minimum to be in the Slack is I think two dollars a month, which is less than a cup of coffee every month. So, <laughs> uh, but you know anything anything is greatly appreciated. And thank you so much again. Uh, you guys are the reasons why we still do this. So um, I think I think that's it. Any, any last words, guys? I'd like to mention the uh, the speed runs Uh-oh. that are already out. World record any percent for abduction is forty six minutes and thirty four seconds. Pretty good. Yep. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <sighs> uh, I mean, well, I mean, the, well, how long is the speed run of of missed? Right. It's. it's 27 seconds or something (laughs) most of that is turning yeah so you know you're you've definitely uh made a game that's longer than the first game all uh all things perfectly optimized we've we've made progress it's the future now all right um i guess i'm gonna say good goodbye to all the listeners have a have a great night see ya keep on